Cheers to recording in 2021. Oh, this is our third year recording? Technically, because we... 2019, 2020, 2021. Mm -hmm. Did we record in 2018? I think we recorded our first like episode our, in Our Meet the Queen. Or, yes, sure. Meet the Queen. Meet the Queen. But it wasn't released until like May of 19. Yeah. We've been together for a while, okay? Yeah. We're approaching 100 episodes, too. That's right. I don't know if this will get out by the time our 100th episode is here. It might actually. I don't know. We're still very, very far ahead. Yeah, we, but we don't even... Time is not a concept we pay attention to anymore. But time is not a concept anymore. Time, <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for fixing that. Time is no longer a thing after last year. Yeah. So, happy 2021 basic snitches. Yes. I feel very optimistic about this year. What's your resolution? I'm not sharing that. So when I don't do it, no one is holding me oh, accountable. That, that, you know what? Speaking of, accountability is a really nice thing for everyone to latch on to this year. If you know, you know. And guess what? You probably know what we're talking about here. We don't really need to get too much more into that. <laughs> Inauguration day will be here soon and it will be lovely. Meanwhile, Adam's also calling me out for my bullshit because he knows I need to make a resolution because I knew I would break it. Hey, guess what? You can choose to change yourself anytime that you want. That's right. People say new year, new you. I recently saw something that was new year, same old you working on yourself in your own way at your own pace is perfectly fine. That's very wordy. <laughs> Well, guess what? One of my resolutions is not to try to be more concise, but yours should be. One of yours should be as the person who edits this podcast. Anyways, we're basic snitches. That's really funny. She gave me such a dirty because look. Because if you need to talk about conciseness, I am not Come on, less... read me to filth, baby. I am not less concise than you. No, you're not. Not when you're two bottles in, talking about the Fort Anglia and how much you hate Snape. We're basic snitches. I'm Adam. I already said that. Well, what's your name? I'm Tara. And today we today are Today I don't know my name. Would, would you like me to make up a name for you? No, I, I said Tara. This is Betsy. And I'm Adam. And oh, today, fuck that noise. I am and Tara. And today we are discussing chapter 19, The Hungarian Horn Tale. Yes. Which is also what Tara calls me because I'm always horny and hungry. Who did the things in the last chapter? Oh, the winners of the last chapter. Oh, I forget the name of it. Or Hermione and Hagrid. Oh, Wing of the Wands. Wing of the Wands. Hermione and Hagrid. That's who will win. Yeah! That's good. That's a good, good, good. I like it. Of course it's Wing of the Wands. It's, it's dick jokes coming. You know how long it's been since we fucking recorded that? Usually we record every two weeks. We took a week off. But we're still ahead. Who lost? Luda Bagman. No. Was Luda Bagman of last chapter? No. <laughs> Luda Bagman was not, well, yeah, he was, but he didn't lose. He was fine. That was a good chapter for him. He was doing Luda Bagman shit where he's fun and jovial. Rita Skeeter. Rita Skeeter lost? Oh, yes. I guess that kind of makes sense. She, like, took a minor in the closet and started interrogating him. How does she not lose the chapter? Fair. You sent me a thing. Let's see if my phone decided to receive it. Also, before we get into it, because I'm sure we're going to talk about it several times, Tara has a nice spread of snacks, and we have eight bottles of wine to drink. So, get ready. This is probably going to really be our last episode, because we're going to die. Yeah, my snacks are not fancy, like when Adam makes no, snacks. No, I disagree. I think that this is lovely. Oh, well, thank you. I'm also wearing my Triwizard sweatshirt. My and Triwizard I'm wearing my Can You Not sweatshirt. So we're basically ourselves. Exactly. Well, but yours is... Well, I was going to say yours is more in the theme of the book, but mine is in the theme of the movie. 
Perfect. We'll get there. We did this. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> let, me, let me read this thing. Chapter 19, The Hungarian Horntail. Rita Skeeter's article about the Triwizard Tournament, I mean Harry, has been published, and the students are now even shittier to him than before, if that was possible. But you know who is not shitty to Harry? Hermione, duh, because she's the very best ever. Oh, also Cho Chang. She is nice to Harry and even tells him good luck on the first task. A few days before the first task, Hermione and Harry go to Hogsmeade together. Hermione suggests meeting up with Ron, but Harry, who is super fucking grouchy through most of this chapter, shoots that idea down. Instead, he makes her go everywhere with him while he hides under his invisibility cloak, and it just looks like she's talking to herself. They do meet up with Hagrid and Moody. Now, honestly, this is a real party. And Hagrid invites Harry on a late night stroll in the woods. How romantic. I added that. <laughs> oh, it is romantic. I didn't even mean that. I meant it between Harry and <laughs> Actually, it turns out that he's invited Madame Maxime on a late night stroll. Harry is basically tagging along, which is super awkward until they get to where they are going. And then Harry runs away screaming while Hagrid and his French bonbon fuck. Just kidding. But there are dragons out there, and they are apparently the first task. Should be easy. Harry leaves before he can witness Hagrid commit dragon egg theft. On his way out of the forest, he runs into Karkaroff, literally. So, every fucking body is a goddamn cheater. Cool. Cool. He runs back to the castle in time to meet Sirius, whose head appears in the Gryffindor common room fireplace. They have a lovely chat about how Karkaroff used to be a Death Eater and how Bertha Jorkins was an idiot. Then they are interrupted by footsteps. Sirius's head disappears just in time for Ron to appear. He and Harry are both little bitches and everyone goes to bed mad. The end. That's the chapter. Nothing else. It really is. Yours, <laughs> I feel, well, we just talked about before we hit record. These are long chapters okay. from like here on out. Apologies because these episodes are going to get longer, guys. Oh, like I was writing my thing and I was like, how can I make this a little bit more concise? And I was like, I really don't think I can. It's the fucking dragon chapter. I can't be like everything went to shit and there were dragons. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about this chapter, Hungarian Horntail. <laughs> what the hell did I just say? I just knocked my book off the couch. This is the second time I throw this book on the floor today. <laughs> she was reading it early and she was like, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> Why is everyone a bitch? And every both times when it fell off the table, it killed somebody because it weighs as much of it as a Hungarian. I can't say Hungarian horntail. Hungarian tail. <laughs> No, it injures people. That's book five that kills people and oh, lands oh on you. Oh, my God. So this <clears throat> opens up with a lot of anxiety. So I just want to say something right now. I said in my thing that you read. So you said in the thing that I wrote, I guess, is a more accurate statement. Stop saying confusing sentences. That was a really actually... You, the way you said it was great, but the way my brain is processing <laughs> it... I called Harry Grouchy. He is, and he's earned it. Sorry if you're crunching over... We're going to be crunching. So. Adam found some snacks. <laughs> that she prepared. That I prepared and stuck right in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a Hufflepuff or anything. <laughs> going searching for snacks. <laughs> but I just I just want to say that before we get into this chapter because I did say that and I'm like, yeah, there's some crankiness happening. That's actually exactly my first note too. And we even mentioned it in the movie. There are a lot of hills and valleys with characters in the book. That the movie, we're a long ways from the movie, but the movie fails to create that nice flow of characters. I feel like there are some characters who stick at a certain point and they stay there until something changes and then they tend to like completely change. In this chapter in particular, this is like maximum stress level for Harry. It is a 
lot. That is kind of like where we begin with this. Like it's not just the stress of school plus, oh, now you're a champion and it's possible that somebody Mm -hmm. is trying to murder you and your scar is hurting. But also at this level where hormones are brewing and stuff, we need to remember that we're at that point. A lot of it is also the judgment of your peers and that can be very, very difficult too. Oh yeah, especially for a 14 year old. Harry's a good guy. He's a good kid. He's a sweet kid. He is actually in tune with other people. So when people are coming for him and being rude to him when he's literally done nothing to deserve this, as a person who sometimes feels, wow, people are not being nice to me and I don't understand why because I've done nothing mm-hmm. like we I think we've all been in situations where like someone is just having an off day or someone's just actually a crabby bitch all the time and they're treating you like shit and you've done literally nothing that's where Harry is a lot of times in the series plus everyone can see these circumstances that just highlight him that he didn't ask for and mm-hmm. this is just more of that so on top of all of the stuff you mentioned is it this chapter or the next chapter where he's like, oh, you know, it would have been great if he were with everyone else, just cheering on Cedric Diggory and just being a regular student, you know? It's so much. What you said about, like, when people kind of, like, offload their own frustrations on somebody. Instead of dealing with your own demons, coming home and unloading on, like, your family or something. That is something that is kind of... I- I don't even know if I want to call it a trope per se, but it's something that you see often. There is that element of you don't quite know what the other people who are treating him this way are going through. But here, I even think, like, because the spotlight is on Harry, I think it's more so just, like, bullying and people... No, it is. It's bullying. And the reason why I stated it that way is more, like, to kind of help us kind of think about where that would be coming from. As adults now, like, I'm sure that we're not not being bullied every now and again, but for a child, for us to kind of bring this feeling back into our perspective, I was trying to come up with a comparison. Oh. That's a really awful place to be. The more I think about it, Steve and I watched Glee and all that back in the day, but there was a lot of that on Glee. People who were being treated shitty just because of being like the center of attention. Now all of those fuckers on Glee were asking for it because theater people. God, I just attacked myself. But like, this poor kid has just been through so much shit. I just feel bad for him. And everyone is like extra mean to him. And this is why, and I'm just going to say it now, and we'll say it again later because we can discuss it more. I love that at the end of the chapter, he gets to have that actual heartfelt conversation with Sirius. Yeah, I think that's kind of a nice he button on the He needs that. He needs to get to have some time talking to an adult about things he's concerned about and how he's scared. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't get to do that. Yeah. And that is literally one of my favorite things in the entire book. And that's, yeah. I like that this is a turning point in not just this book, but the series, I think, of just things being loaded onto him. It also feels like there's a lot of pressure building up into the next chapter, which we'll get into it in the next episode too, but there's a a nice release in that chapter at the end. Mm -hmm. Because this anxiety will continue into the next chapter, but we don't need to re-talk about anxiety in the next chapter too, because guess what? Anxiety is in the air in general right now. Right. And this chapter especially. Oh, yes. Okay, so speaking of anxiety and things that are making Harry nervous... The very first thing here is Rita's story. From Harry's perspective, it makes a lot of sense that this is giving him the anxiety and the stress. But looking at how she wrote it, it's not that bad from her perspective. She really is saying a lot of things that are like in favor of Harry. But him being a teenager in this circumstance, that's what is making it Well, it's embarrassing. Because one, he didn't say any of this stuff. And two, the last thing he likes is to be reminded about these things. And then it's just like, oh, hey, we're all just... Just in case you didn't remember, 
before Harry's parents are dead. Yeah. And I think it's the other students that Harry is very concerned about, you know, and of course he gets all the teasing about, oh, are you hanky? Like, that's whatever. Yeah. And that's when Cho comes up to him. I can remember being there as a kid. Mm. Like, no one wants to be seen that way. And this kid is especially scrutinized because of who he is. And now he's got this article out here, which is not true in the first place, about how he's a crybaby. Well, I wouldn't even think it as crybaby, but you're right. To him. To him, it's, it makes him sound very weak and like he just, you know, is a crybaby. I necessarily don't think that he is being a crybaby. Because also look at the circumstances of it. Rita wrote it in this way to appeal to her readers, I think. Because what we've talked about in the last few episodes when Rita comes up is that she is looking for ways to create a compelling story more than anything. And really, when you get down to the root of it, from Rita's perspective, it's not really that bad. Actually, a lot of things are actually a good thing almost. But then she completely disregards the fact that he's a kid. All this stuff is tease-worthy. Well, what she's saying makes for good reading for her home readers, like you said. The problem is what she's not saying. Is not only did she do this to Harry and make him feel judged as a child, but she very much disrespects the tournament. That's the other thing. That's not the story. Right. At all. And that's what the story is supposed to be about. So it's like extra salt in the wound. This was supposed to be a story about the Triwizard Tournament, but actually it's about Harry, who shouldn't have been a fucking champion to begin with. And also, there are two champions from other schools whose names are not even going to bother spelling properly. Oh, and the actual Hogwarts champion, the one that the goblet spit out first, is not even mentioned. What you're saying about if she's not saying like negative things about Harry and that's good or whatever, I agree with that. But at the same time, it's like she has an agenda. She's not an idiot. Oh, no. You're totally right. She definitely has her agenda. I think I'm so focused on the fact that it's not necessarily that she's just trying to be like conniving. It is conniving because it's not true and it's not Mm -hmm. like the point of the article, but... If you and I read that newspaper, if it were delivered to our homes... I'd probably been like, oh, poor Harry. Exactly. Yeah, exactly what Mrs. Weasley does. Yeah. Yes. Because Charlie tells Hagrid and doesn't know... And we can talk about that right now. Yeah. Quen Molly, man. Jesus. Of course. She's just so lovely. Being a mom, Mm. especially a mom of all those children and just like having a heart that big... Like, hearing about this child that she already loves, you know? She's already got so much affection for Harry. And then to read this as though it were fact, because she doesn't know it's not. I'm just so sad thinking about this poor child. So, clearly, we're nowhere near the end of this episode. We're a mess, guys. We are. We took a big break. We're coming back, like, at least a bottle of wine down. So, bear with us. Uh, You guys know. You've listened to these. You're so nice. Bear with us. Just deal with it. You're so nice. (laughs) Regarding points, I was looking at, like, the tally of, like, all my points so far. Stop paying attention to Steven listens to me. Steve is very fascinating. Steve, stop distracting Tara. (laughs) Molly and Arthur both are like at the very top of this list. My points are really a testament to anything except for what I think and what I feel. I do think it's sort of a testament to like how much they've stepped in as parents. Just filling that role for Harry. To an extent, I mean like obviously as we get further into the series, like the importance of Lily and James come up more and more. But... The other thing that does come up here in terms of untruths that Rita wrote about is Hermione. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for this too, it couldn't be more further from the truth. But the fact that she does write about Hermione in a very positive light. So we get that little moment where yeah. Bulldog Girl, what's her name? Pansy uh, Parkinson. Pansy Parkinson, Fuck that bitch. Pansy Parkinson is like, 
pretty compared to what? I'm like, bitch, you're a bulldog girl. Shut the fuck up. She's very rude. Oh, the other thing that this brought up for me is how much people are talking about, like, who's handsome or pretty. There is a lot of, obviously, Victor going around that. Victor is, like, the handsome one. We talked about Cedric in the past. And then there's this stuff about Hermione being pretty. Mm-hmm. I mentioned hormones earlier. And it really does show like how much these kids in the state of their life are obsessed with looks. And yeah. like putting up an appearance and stuff. Which I think is clever based on their age range. But it's also like, wow, like it's really coming up a lot. Preparing us for the Yule Ball. Reading this chapter this time around, I forgot that this is the part of the book where Rita mentions Hermione. Mm-hmm you know, the movie clouds things. I also knew she mentioned it. I didn't realize it was in this like original article because she continues berating Harry throughout the book. I really just appreciate how Hermione takes all of this in stride. Hermione and Ron too have endured this like guilty by association teasing for the last three years because of their friendship with Harry and they've tolerated it because they love Harry. And it's very interesting because Hermione is just very gracious through this whole thing. She's focusing so much on caring for Harry, not just because that's what she automatically does and that's just kind of the role she's taken on and and kind of helping guide him through. Because one, I think she appreciates that they have that kind of relationship, but more so that he doesn't have Ron and that makes his life unbalanced in that regard. It's funny because there's a few things here and there in this chapter and the next chapter where, you know, you get in the the narration that Harry definitely is giving Hermione credit for the work she does and how wonderful she is. I really am glad that happens because I don't think that it happens enough on our side, like as far as readers. Like we're all like, yeah, Hermione's fucking great. People aren't paying enough attention to her. As I've been reading this time around, I'm like, Harry actually acknowledges Hermione quite often and she's still being teased. By her classmates for like just being assholes and I just love her in this chapter. She's well, so good. Fucking I keep wanting to call her Pervardi or Lavender Brown. What's her name? Uh Pansy. Pansy is irrelevant. Who cares about her? But But she's still like a teenage girl. I've been one of those. Yeah, totally true and valid. Let's continue talking about Hermione though, because when they go into Hogsmeade, Hermione continues to kind of have to deal with it. And she's just like, well, this is what it is. I'm just going to have to talk to myself. She keeps saying things like, I feel like I'm crazy and so on and so forth. At the same time, part of me is kind of like, Harry, you're not have permission to go into Hogsmeade. Make the decision to either go to Hogsmeade or if you're really feeling that broody, just stay back. He's very broody in this chapter. I get it though. Like there's also that thing that I think we've all been guilty of it where we're not really feeling it, but we're going out anyway because maybe there's a hope that this will bring me out of my funk or it. I'm going to miss something. Like there's there's something, Some there's something there that you're like, I'm still going to go even though I don't want to. Usually... It's not very fun anyway. Part of me thinks like you have so much other stuff going on. In this case, it would be nice to just stay back and like have some private time. Based on how Hermione is treating you right now, Hermione would totally have stayed back with you, I think. Yeah, I totally. think so. And like not only just in this chapter, but things that happen in the next chapter and how much of a support. It's okay sometimes to take that time out when mm-hmm. you really, really need it. I mean, he's 14, so 
I think that what you said about, like, the FOMO thing is yeah. a little bit more... I mean, also, look at Hermione and Harry and, like, the stuff that they're dealing with. They're also so much more mature. Oh, I'm not saying that they should have just been like, eh, let's just stay back. Because the whole purpose of them going to Hogsmeade in the first place is to move the story forward. Right. Because they Plot, see... blah, blah. Yeah. Because they see Moody and Hagrid. In this scene, you get to learn that Moody can see through invisibility cloaks. Which is important information. That's important. And then, of course, Hagrid inviting Harry. Yes. The other thing about Moody is even under Polyjuice Potion, his eye still works. So that was kind of interesting to me. There are elements of Moody that still carry over under the Polyjuice Potion, too. I think it's important to completely establish Moody as the character he's supposed to be, just to help with the plot later. I don't know if it's just like extra reminder that he can do weird shit, like he has the eyeball or whatever, just to kind of keep us from suspecting him, you know, because he's a fraud. Like The I, book does a really good job, I think. I don't know if I've said this or not. The plot twist with Moody is just as big as the final plot twist of the book. You have. As far as creativity and storyline change and understanding there, Obviously, the final plot twist of the book is more important, but I think this one is most interesting. Yeah, this book does a really good job of protecting that, too, so that it is so huge. Similarly, something I've said is, like, when you think of what certain characters in the past turn out to be, like Lupin, like Quirrell, they give a lot more hints. And I don't think that there are that many hints in this book at all. No, and I don't think they're supposed to be. Which is great. It's a very nice change. The magic of this book is that when you go back after reading it and you now know everything, you can see these moments and they don't look suspicious, but they make sense. That is the mark of good storytelling. That's also just kind of the read that you want. If this were a mystery novel, it would be different. You know, if I were reading Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stuff, I want to go back and it's, you know, the tan line on this guy's wrist or whatever. And does his fucking detective, like um, if you ever watched Monk, when Monk is like, here's how it happened. And they always go through it and they show how this happens. That's not what I want when I read a fantasy novel. I want to be able to go back and be like, I can see that but I didn't have to understand it. That's how I haven't mentioned her in a while Abby Christie. Yeah it's the love of Her stuff it's very similar. She plants these things early on that when you go back and look at mm-hmm. it like there is something in the next chapter that we'll talk about it when we get to there where it's the same sort of thing. Ooh there is a little bit of a hint but you would yeah. never right. know. It's not that like. That is the mark of a good mystery yeah. writer. It's not like the moon popping up as Lupin's Bogart which mm-hmm. is that is like a huge fucking hint you know right so the whole plot device here is that they can tell that harry's there hagrid's like come over to my hut (laughs) tonight for a special surprise that's where he has the schedule conflict like of course it's the same night when when sirius uh, is supposed to be be firehead he goes down and hagrid's looking all fly with bits of comb in his hair which is very fun He's got an artichoke on his jacket, which, as you know, not you know, listeners, but as as Tara knows, artichokes are very special to me. They're pretty special to me, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) We're just going to leave it at that. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Ashley saw that show. Oh, Ashley knows. And he goes down. He's like, okay, come on with me. He knocks on the Bobaton thing. I know. He, I feel like Harry's probably following and be like, what the fuck is going on? Uh-huh. He greets Madame Maxine by saying, bong sewer. I love is it. Is it bonsoir? 
It's so cute. It is bong sewer. That's I wish I would have that the feeling of bong sewer more if you know what bong I mean. Bong sewer. You know, getting lit. That's very cute. And then they go for a walk in the woods. And then there's like so far and Harry's like, I'm just gonna fucking leave. This is annoying. And then suddenly there are dragons. That's right. And then he witnesses a lot of making out between two giants. <laughs> just kidding. He sees dragons. Just kidding. They fucking instead. <laughs> They fucking in the Forbidden Forest, and Harry's like, this is why it's called Forbidden This is why it's called Forbidden This is the scariest thing I've seen in years. And we get... I saw Aragog. I saw fucking dead unicorns. Two fucking giants. Half giants. Whatever. No thanks. Terrifying. No, but actually we do get... Charlie Weasley. Charlie Weasley. Charlie. And then this, of course, is where he mentions Molly again. What I said earlier about how we're being like, oh, bless him, he's so crazy about his mom. Also, let's talk about the, like chapter title here that it's the hungarian horntail and this is where charlie always is like hmm, i really pity whoever gets that hungarian horntail gee i wonder who it's gonna be I maybe know. it could be because the name of the chapter is this particular dragon right speaking of foreshadowing or hints or anything come on oh yeah when you get this chapter, you're like yeah well that's gonna be hairy because you know his day hasn't been rained on enough that's right this poor child but i love me anytime i get to see charlie weasley is happy also, I love Hagrid being like, mm, dragon eggs. He'd be like, I counted those, Hagrid. You keep your hands off me. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> Just as Hagrid reveals that he's actually a Slytherin and starts slithering into Madame Maxine, he, Harry's like, I gotta go. I got a date. Runs to the woods. And he boom. runs into bitch. Parker off is like, who the fuck is there? And Harry's like, not me. And he keeps going. <laughs> he leaves. And but then that, Harry's like, everyone's a goddamn cheater. It really, like, that moment is like, I think back to when Barty Crouch Sr. was like, no help from fucking teachers. They're going out of their way, especially Karkaroff in this instance. Oh, yeah. But, like, Hagrid, too, he just showed two champions, essentially. I mean, you know Hagrid wasn't thinking. This is on brand for Hagrid. As far as Madame Maxime goes, Hagrid is not thinking. At least, not entirely. I think Hagrid's not a fucking idiot. I think you're right he's, about Madame He's like, Maxine. she's probably thinking she'll probably tell her champion. But he's excited. This is the thing that excites yeah. him. Yeah. And For Madame Maxime, he isn't thinking, but it's more like, I just want that puss. Right, and he's like, well, I'll show her this, because <gasps> I like What this. if Madame Maxime is the one who has a big old spider puss? I don't want to think about that. Oh my god, what is spider in French? Alexa. Alexa, what is spider Alexa in here. French? I don't know what spiders in French is. I don't, I don't either. I mean, but Hagrid definitely showed Harry, because he does care about Harry. And Hagrid would absolutely cheat for Harry because he wants Harry to live. Because he's made it very clear from the beginning that he knows that this is not good news for Harry. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is like, oh, Harry gets to be a champion. And Hagrid and Hermione and McGonagall and apparently no one else are like, uh... Yeah, for now, everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But, and serious, of course. Something else I thought of here when he runs to uh, Karkaroff... Well, it's a couple things. So a couple minutes later, it's like how perfect that he runs into Karkaroff and then Sirius, when he's his firehead, is like, Karkaroff was a Death Eater. Yeah. Wow. Harry's like, dude, I just fucking ran to that asshole Synchronicity. in the forest. Synchronicity, yeah. This is uh, maybe an eerie. That could have killed me. When he's talking to Firehead, Sirius, he's talking about how he was in Azkaban with me and then he managed to get himself out and all that. He went from being incarcerated to a head of a school really fast. I'm very interested in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, a big part of that was, well, him getting out was him naming names. 
Mm-hmm. Which we get more of his story later. Sirius tells Harry here that Karkaroff has been teaching dark arts to anyone who can. And we finish this book and we learn that Crumb is not a dark wizard. No. So to me, that makes me think that the Durmstrang students, they're not at all getting this kind of education. He's probably got a very small group of students if he's teaching them this. Yeah. And this is probably just the shit that Sirius hears. But more so, I think Grindelwald went to Durmstrang. Yeah. So maybe Durmstrang's just always kind of been shady as fuck. Maybe. Or and the good students are just trying to get through their lives. It also could very well just be some rumor. Well, and that was, he was in Azkaban. Moody caught him. Moody was an aura for the Ministry of Magic. That's London. This is over Bulgaria, whatever. Maybe they're not paying attention to any of that. If he was a Death Eater, Voldemort is from the UK or whatever. So Karkaroff came from Bulgaria or he came from London or wherever and moved to Bulgaria. Maybe they're not as active. But they're like, whatever. I don't care. This guy says he likes education. Hire him. I think that in general, I mean, I'm also kind of sort of thinking about like current events too, but like the ability for somebody to change is possible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the first recording session of 2021. You can change whenever you want. I don't necessarily want to give Igor Karkaroff the benefit of the doubt, but maybe he did. And these are just rumors. We know that rumors are happening from like the Rita Skeeter stuff. Could be any mix of these things. Cause I think that you bring up some really good points too. It is very interesting that Moody, Karkaroff, and of course, Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch. Well, <laughs> I was going to say Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch. The two Barty Crouches Those are all bitches. involved in this at the same time is very, very interesting. The other thing I want to say about Karkaroff, though, is that Tyria says, once a Death Eater, always a Death Eater. Karkaroff turned on all these Death Eaters. He ain't going to be welcome back. Okay, that's a really good point that I'm not thinking. Karkaroff is a fucking dead man. Yeah. I mean, and he doesn't die in this book, but guess what? He ain't making it very long. <laughs> So has he changed? Well, he's a fucking coward. Him turning all those names over, maybe people were like, ah, well, he helped them get some Death Eaters and he likes education. Speaking of Karkaroff and Sirius and speaking of mystery, as we were earlier, a lot of little like hints and like moments that make you realize that this is more mystery than it kind of shows. There's a lot of story that could be fleshed out here. From what Sirius says. Yes. Of course, mentioning all of those people is a big thing. Moody being attacked is another one, Mm -hmm. which they didn't really get into previously. Even like when I originally read it about the whole garbage bins thing or whatever. Well, that's not necessarily something Harry would be updating Sirius on anyway. Sirius clearly learned that from someone else, probably Dumbledore. And actually, it's funny because the last time there was a firehead, that's what they talked about. The firehead conversations. Yes, firehead conversations. Are the ones that involve like Moody fucking up some dustbins. But also the assumption of like Igor putting his name into the cup. And the other thing that I don't even have written, but I'm glad that you mentioned in your thing, was the Bertha Jorkin stuff. Because that has been this thing kind of like in the background that and nobody has really like focused on. I'm glad that Sirius brings up yes. the Jorkins. Yeah. Because that's important in saying a little bit more about like her personality because it did kind of seem to me like earlier in the book she was kind of like cool and like someone that would be fun to like hang out with. She might be. I'm an idiot and I I'm mean, fun to hang she out with. can't be anymore because she did. But... Yeah, but Sirius does know that. that she, everyone yeah. still knows, she, she still she thinks disappeared. she's disappeared. Yeah. Which I'm like, Sirius, a little rude. This woman is missing. I don't care if she's an idiot. To me though, this conversation, as much exposition as it gives and all of this stuff that makes you go, ooh, I'm going to learn more about Karkaroff and this is all very fascinating and Dumbledore is clearly discussing the 
weird way the stars are aligning with bringing Moody in and all of this stuff. I just love that this is a scene where Harry gets to be a kid and unload on an adult that he's scared. Yeah. It's you mentioned so, that I earlier. mentioned it before. Yeah. I forgot just how vulnerable Harry is in that moment. And I'm just like, oh, you poor child. Because zero times has he gotten a chance to do that. And in this book, we know he gets to have a moment at the end of the book with Mrs. Yeah. Weasley. But he actually gets to have this with Sirius as well. That is good. I think that's so important because as we were saying at the beginning of the chapter, how anxious and how uncertain everything feels for him. This it, is important. We got to do this with our parents. The other thing, though, is like in previous books, it only happens at the end, too. But that is also like once everything has been revealed and it's like cleaning everything up. Like I think particularly in the second book where they're chilling, I think it's actually in McGonagall's office or something. Mm, it like, is McGonagall's it's office like, where oh, they're hanging out. Oh, finally I have a chance to talk to you even though all this stuff played out in this certain right. way. He does get this thing kind of in the middle, which is very nice. I Remember a few episodes ago where we were like, they need therapists. This school needs a school counselor. And then Harry needs his own on top of it. Or let's say McGonagall is their advisor. I know this is in college, but it's similar-ish. Like, it would be nice for them to have a mentor or a specific, like, faculty member that they could go to. I like to believe that when McGonagall is the headmistress, she makes sure that happens. Mm -hmm. That is canon in my head. Then the very last bit of this thing, Ron comes down and is like, who was talking? And he was like, no one's talking. And he was like, oh, you must have been rehearsing your next interview. And then Harry has this moment that I don't think you agree with me. However, he throws, what does he throw in his head? One of the Potter Stinks badges. Yes, because the other thing that happens here too that we didn't really get into is that during all of these like different like escapades he's going on, the Creepy Brothers are like fucking with all the paraphernalia and trying to make it. Trying to make all the the secret badges. But all it says is Potter really stinks. Yeah. Just a little touch on that. But he throws one of the things and he's like, fuck you. I hope you know how it feels. You might even get a scar. Isn't that what you want, you fucking bitch? And then he goes away. And Ron is just like standing there. As we move towards the next chapter, I do sort of feel like Ron is starting to soften a little bit maybe. And I even actually think like Ron was as bad as he could have been in this moment. And I wonder if that is a moment where Ron is kind of like, oh, maybe I am being too much of an asshole. I agree with that. I wonder if Ron is there in that spot. There's a different type of intensity. Harry was having a very important conversation with Sirius. He was getting some reassurances that he wasn't getting. And Ron was the one who interrupted him. And it was someone who he's frustrated with, who... Who would have been fine. It would have been fine, but he and Ron are in this weird place. A few times when I've read this, I've been like, oh, come on, Harry. Don't throw that at him. But also, he threw that across the room. You couldn't step aside. If it hits you in the face, that's your fault. But really, Harry's so reactionary there, and he's also just done. I reread it twice because I thought that Ron went to bed and didn't hear Harry coming up, and it's the other way around. Yeah. Harry, like, you know, goes past him, just like, fuck you, bitch. And he goes to bed and it says that he's so angry. So it doesn't say that he's sleeping. He doesn't hear Ron come to bed. So I'm very curious to know what that means. If Ron never comes to bed or Harry is just so stuck in this place of fury and frustration that he doesn't even hear another person. I've gone to bed mad too or Mm -hmm. gone to bed anxious and it's hard to concentrate on anything else. Mm -hmm. And so I almost feel like that could potentially be what it was. Who knows? Like we're never going to fucking know. But you know, what if Ron is standing down there really really thinking about it that's true you know what if he's standing still standing on those stairs through through the night or if he what if Sirius comes back he's like Harry's Ron gone and he's like no I am Ron and then they have a discussion they have a discussion and maybe that's why I 
also feel like in the next chapter, Ron is starting to soften a little bit. But we'll we'll get there. Yeah. Get, but like Harry has not been this harsh because Ron yet. is not that much of an idiot. He's not that much of a selfish asshole than that we like to say he is. I think that there's more to Ron than meets the eye. Yeah. And I think that this is a key moment where the choice could be made by now, Ron. In the movie, he definitely is a little bit more of an asshole. But before we talk about the movie, fuck Mary Kill. Oh yeah, fuck Mary Kill. And guess what? What? Oh my god, we just got a firehead. <laughs> the firehead is Brian O'Jackson. That's folk. Floating in the fire. Yeah. Let me give you some wine, Brian. It's me. Oh, we have to give him a fi- the wine with, like, with remember those tongs? Fire tongs. Let me yeah. the fire tongs. Because that works. We do have a fireplace, but we don't use it. because. It oh, I was it. just about to say, this beautiful fireplace I've never seen, but you do have a fireplace. Yeah, but we don't use it. We Except for when Brian decides to come here. No, Brian. I am the fireplace. That's right. <laughs> Oh, I have to actually do fuck Mary Kill. Um, okay. We were so excited about Brian being here. While these really show up in the next chapter, I'm talking about them now because this is where we discover them. And then fucking name of the chapter is the Hung- Hungarian Hogan Cartoon. So the last time I did this too, Brian was here too. I didn't, and Brian being here is a surprise to us. So this was not done on purpose, but it's going to be a fuck Mary Kill forget. Oh, Just like the last oh, time. That's right. This is the second time I've done this. So it's going to be all four dragons Hungarian Horntail, mm-hmm. Commonwealth Green, Chinese Fireball, and Swedish Short Snout. Well, I'm going to forget same. the Commonwealth Green because. Wait, same? Oh, I just I, I was going to talk about forget because I already <laughs> forgot the names of all of them. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how did I know that she was going to say? Wow! I uh, thought that's what you were saying. <laughs> Brian's been practicing his divination, because I have to mention divination in every episode. <laughs> He's had a glass of wine, folks. I've had a whole glass. He legit just got your You are. He is behind. Minutes high. ago. Yes. You're behind. Yeah, we, we, got, we have an entire bottle on you. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to forget the Commonwealth screen, because Why? it sounds like it's just not that interesting. It's called a Commonwealth screen. Okay, that's fair. Again, that's we don't fair. really know anything about these dragons, so I'm going off of their names. I'm going to kill the Hungarian Horntail because he sounds terrifying. Okay, yes. I'm, I'm going to fuck the Chinese Fireball because it sounds like maybe he because could be- Because Ball is in the name. <laughs> yes, that's say, what it is. It sounds like a fun position. Tara's right? next ball. And then I'm going to marry the Swedish Short Snout because- It sounds cute. Yeah, he does. Uh, my answers are exactly the same. <laughs> so, okay, mine are not exactly yes. the same. Yes! Uh, I am going to say marry the Swedish Short Snout. The Swedish one. <laughs> the Swedish one. Because that sounds adorable and Swedish. Can anybody talk in a Swedish accent? I am a Swedish shorts now. No, um, that didn't no. work. No. The all, if they talk in that case. I hear Swedish, I immediately just think, my name is Ula Inga Hansen Benson Jonsson Talen Hallen Swanen Swanson. Beautiful. That was really good. Same as you, I'm, I'm going to forget the, I'm the one I forget. Yeah. <laughs> Forgettable <laughs> guy because he comments. It just sounds basic. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna kill the Chinese fireball right. because I wanna fuck the Hungarian orange tail. Because that bitch is wild. You <laughs> 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 can already make a horn tail horny joke. So, but there is I that. want that horn in my tail. That <laughs> <laughs> is a spiky kind of gonna disembowel your ass. Oh my god. But that is a wild bitch. Wait. Instead of forgetting one of them, 
can I kill the Commonwealth screen and have a threesome with the Chinese fireball and the you sure can. Every wow. time you're on this that's podcast, you want to fuck multiple people at the that same time. That is my choice. <laughs> so that sounds like a threesome that could be you fun. Go, you go ahead and fuck two fire. dragons. Okay. We done did some things so with dragons. So that, yeah. Let's talk about this movie. Yeah. In the movie, <sighs> the only real thing that we see is Firehead. In, okay. In the book, it talks about how his hair is shorter and his face is more full. Like, we get to actually see him in the yeah, book. Yeah, and in the fucking movie, it's like, oh, he's looking crunchy well, in that fuck, because they're literally just making him come up out of the coals. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to give Gary Oldham so much credit, because even though I hate how they make the scene so much different as far as their conversation, mm-hmm. what he's trying to say in that scene and how it's portrayed you can still get all of the acting you need so you just get his voice and this like weird embers of his face talking to harry and he's still golden that being said i hate how it's changed to this like harry you're in danger kind of thing what did you say his name is gary oldham isn't it gary oldman is it oldham or oldham it's spelled like old man oh that was gary Gary oldman Right in! Is it Gary Oldman? I think, it, I think it might be Gary Oldman. It is Gary Oldman. I don't know. It was like Gary Oldham. <laughs> Whatever. You are like, an old hand. I'm also like I will say, as fuck. I enjoy how they very clearly realized the way that they did the face in the fireplace thing. The way they did it in the fourth movie. They realized for the fifth movie, nope, this yep. was the wrong way to do this. And we are just... Changing it and acting yeah. like the old way. The never fifth happened. movie is way better as far as how they do that. Yeah, 100%. But I don't like how the whole feel of that scene goes. I think that that's. Like the conversation. Yeah. Me. The intensity of it, one, that's the only time we even get to interact with him. I mean, again, I want that vulnerability. I want that change of tense, I guess, between that and when Ron comes downstairs. Because then he's talking to Sirius. And like, oh my God, there's there's footsteps. It's very heightened, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then it's Ron. In the book, they're having this conversation and they're like, oh, someone's coming. Ron coming in now doesn't feel like a threat. It feels like we're moving forward in the story. Like Adam and I were just saying about how Ron might be having this turning moment. It doesn't feel like that at all movie. And Ron is extra bitchy. So that's my big thing is that Ron in the book, it's more so just like, hey, I heard some voices. That's it. And then Harry kind of snaps back. And then he says the thing about interviewing or whatever. In the movie, I feel like Ron comes down already in a pissy mood. It's not like coming down and observing, hey, it's Harry. We're not getting along. It also just feels suspicious. So in the book he says, does he see in the book? Like, I was wondering where the fuck you were, basically. That's verbatim. Yeah, exactly. Because Harry's like, what are you doing down here? And he's like, I just wonder where you, never mind. So You get this feeling that Ron is kind of curious about what the fuck's going on with Harry. But in this movie, he's just like, oh, you pressed him for your next interview? In the book, actually, Harry is a little bit more aggressive than Ron. In the movie, I think Ron is more aggressive. Yeah, well, Harry is very defensive. Well, he has reason to be in both cases. His defensiveness makes more sense when Ron is also being a bitch. And Ron starts off being like, I was just... And Harry's like, but I'm being a bitch about this. And in the movie, yeah. Wait, what, what was he like again? And then in the movie, it's just Ron just being an angry little fucking bitch. <laughs> So let's talk about, speaking of, this other little scene that happens in between that isn't in the book, 
right after this where Neville's down by the lake and he's like, oh my God, look at this amazing creatures from the water that are probably plants because it's me, Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Harry's just chilling there. He's like, I ain't got no other friends. Hermione's busy. And Ginny and Ron come down and With they Hermione. are doing this like game of telephone right there and this is where we get Hermione's, I'm not an owl and everything. Yeah. This is another instance like, where I'm just it into like, the fucking movie. why did but you it's add a really this? Funny scene. I'm not mad about it. It's a funny little scene, but I'm like, there are other things that you cut. I would like the scene better if Ginny and Ron weren't there, because then you could have Hermione like being like, I don't know, I'm just trying here. Speaking of like actors being more like aggressive in the movie, we talked about this already earlier. How Harry is like where he needs to be at the the right level, I think. Yeah. Whereas Hermione and Ron both come off a little bit bitchy. They're extra bitchy. Hermione especially. The first part of the movie, I think that it evens out after we get through the first task. What we didn't talk about is the scene where Harry gets to see that there are dragons coming for him. Oh yeah, that's right. That happens too. And we get to see fucking Madame Maxime in her regal as fuck costuming. And she's got these like ostrich feathers. She looks so good. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, like Hagrid's costuming it matches up really well. He doesn't have the bits of comb in his hair. That's fine. I love the banter there. When we get sassy Hagrid, my life is complete. He's giving him all kinds of shade. He's like, are you wearing, what's with the flat? Oh, did you comb your hair? And he's like, you, should, you could do that yourself. I like, can comb my goddamn hair if I want, you little bitch. <laughs> but then Hagrid's like, well, would do you some fucking good to comb your hair, you bitch? And I'm just like, yes, Hagrid. Yeah, because his hair is, is shaggy as fuck. <laughs> Don't get Charlie Weasley. Don't get Charlie Weasley. That's what I was going to say. We don't get Charlie Weasley. Ever. And then Harry. Also, those cages, those fucking dragons. They're like flimsy as fuck. They're small and they're flimsy as fuck. Those poor old dragons. The Hungarian horn tail is like shaking and that thing is. I don't know how he hasn't murdered everyone. And then luckily, Harry again decides to leave right when they start to fucking work. He's like, I can't do this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I make noises that don't make any sense. Okay. Plus 20 to Sirius and Hagrid. Because these are like the parental figures who are like helping him in his like journey here. Plus 10 to Hermione and to Molly. Because Molly is of course worried. Even though she's not actually in this chapter. Also Hermione still is being a really good friend when they go down to Hogsmeade. And she has to continue to talk to herself and so on and so forth. I'm also giving plus five each to Colin and Dennis Creevy, which is a surprise. But I love how, like, they are almost like the dollar store version of the twins in this instance, where they're trying to, like... <laughs> oh my god! The dollar store like, version of the twins! What you see on Wish, and it's the <laughs> twins, and when it arrives, and it's Dennis and Creevy. Oh my god! That's totally what it is. So, but I like it because they're That's like trying, what they are. They're trying to play with the paraphernalia and they kind of fucking it up. So plus five to both of them. Colin Creepy plus, plus 25 to you for that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let me go into my window right Evan's now. Gonna add <laughs> plus 25 to me. Guess who wins this chapter next time? Whoever you have written in your notes, change it to me. Because nope. <laughs> I'm giving myself 25 points. Boom. He'll never give me points. Ooh, inside. I have more points than Angelina Johnson. That's a problem. Oh, my God. Well, you're the one who gave me the points, so. I mean, that was brilliant. Thank you. I couldn't breathe for a solid minute. Plus five to both those little bitches. And then negative five to Pansy Parkinson, because every other time I've taken points away from her, it's like, who are you? Why are you there? 
Why are you speaking? Don't call Hermione ugly when you look like somebody punched their dick into your face. So negative five to her. And then um, negative ten to Igor Karkaroff because you're being shifty in the woods. <laughs> you're trying to go and watch Hagrid and Maxine fuck. And that is really disgusting. So to recap, that's 25 to me, 20 to Sirius, 20 to Hagrid, 10 to Hermione, 10 to Molly, 5 to Colin, 5 to Dennis, negative 5, the bulldog bitch, and negative 10 to Igor. So that happened. Um, that happens. The next time we're finally here, it's chapter 20. The, the first, first task. There are dragon bitches. Yeah. There are four of we, them. But if you forget about the Commonwealth screen, it's fine, because we all do. Well, that's right. Who, I think Fleur gets him, doesn't she? Fleur gets that one. I don't care about everyone else. The Swedish else. one goes to Cedric, the Chinese one goes to Victor Crumb. And yes. We all know who Harry gets because of the name of this chapter. So yeah, we'll see you next time for the first half, chapter 20. Yep, Brian will still be here. He just got here. We're going to eat some pie and wine. Yeah. Now we're going to eat, now we're going to eat the wine. We're going to eat the wine. Bye. 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 <laughs> Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice, and be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.